That's it. Bring it in. Almost there. Hold it. Alright, you're ready to go. Hope you got a permit. We've just hooked you up with a big load of midweek XJ Talk Show. So whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Here comes XJ Talk. Here comes XJ Talk. All up in your ears. Tony and Josh giving you lots of goods all throughout the year. Talk about jerkies and jeeps and stuff and probably some other things too. So tis the season, this is the reason we're bringing this to you. Here comes XJ Talk, here comes XJ Talk, all up in your ears. The end of the world came and wouldn't you know it, we're all still alive and here. The XJ Talk Show is back and better than ever and it's really no fuss. We sure do appreciate all the support, so thanks for listening to us. And we have Josh, uh, Northwest 99XJ, or NW99XJ, as you've probably seen on XJTalk.com. And uh, Josh has a Jeep tip for us this week. Josh, what do you got? Well, as uh, many of us know, when you start to lift up your Jeep, you got to deal with those uh, dreaded driveline vibrations. And, you know, you can do a uh, transfer case drop, but as most of us know, the best way to go about it is a slip yoke eliminator. Uh, and for those of you a little unfamiliar with it, I'll be real quick and say a slip yoke eliminator, what that does is it removes the slip yoke from the transfer case output and moves it to the drive line. Uh, you know, if some people have the horror stories of overflexing their suspension and the drive line coming right out of the transfer case, the slip yoke eliminator eliminates the slip yoke in the transfer case. And there's two, there's two methods to do this. Um, there's the, the, the hack and tap method, which I personally uh, have used because I have the NP242 transfer case where there is a, there's very limited options um, for the slip yoke eliminator. Um, and the more common NP231 or the NV231, uh, which is primarily the, the most found transfer case in Jeeps. Um, and how the, uh, the slip yoke eliminator kit, kit works is it's a new output shaft. Um, you basically split the case, the transfer case, and you will be putting in a different output shaft. A lot of people think, oh man, there's a lot of gears in there and, and you know, that could be real scary work. Actually, it's not. I thought the same thing delving into mine. Um, and, uh, I actually had to replace my output shaft. That's a whole nother story. We'll get into that another day. Oh my but, God. You didn't bend it. Did you? No, I didn't bend it. Um, there, there's a. Oh, that, this is the this is the, the one where you broke the 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 uh, the tap off in it. Yes, sir, and that was quite the ordeal. Okay, but, I, I won't I won't tell. <laughs> I won't ask any more about that. That's painful enough <laughs> just to remember. I saw the oh, picture. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, and I also say it was very easy when I did my uh, SYE on my NP242. It was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I, I was the same way. Um, once I actually got the transfer case out and got it split apart and, and started pulling things apart, I was surprised at, at really how easy things came. You know, as long as you keep track of, of the clips and the order of which you pulled things out and stuff, yes, it's, yes. it's really not that hard. 
But here's the trick is, is um, on the newer transfer cases, this is going to be on the newer models, uh, 96 and up, the, um, there is a seal that goes around the output shaft in the, the cone on the back of the transfer case. And it's kind of like an axle shaft seal. And it is very, very finicky. And it can be nicked or damaged really easy when you're trying to get that cone back onto the back end of that transfer case around the new output shaft. Um, it can get damaged kind of easily. Yeah, and it's it got doesn't a little, take it's, I'm sorry, it's got a little spring in there. That, it does that have it, a little spring. And, 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 that, and you nick that, and that spring comes out, and then so does the fluid. Yeah, you can roll that lip. You can you can bend that spring really easy, and that spring is small. We're you know less than what you'd find in a little clicky pen or something like yes, that. Yeah. So you got to be real careful. A lot of people have had success with oh, I just you know goop it up with grease really well and and slide that cone on it and be good. And you may have had success with that um, or not. What I have found um, is a really good trick to do is yeah, the grease works. You want to have that handy because you're going to use it but a little bit of electrical tape around the splined end. And you want to make sure that you start from the inside of the shaft, working your way to the outside, wrapping some electrical tape around those splines all the way out to the tip. And that's the most important part is the tip. Even though the, most of those output shafts have a little bit of a bevel to them on the end of the splined output shaft, um, those splines are still pretty sharp. The edges are sharp. And they can go ahead and, and just the slightest little nick on that seal will end up spraying transfer case fluid all over your undercarriage. So the electrical tape will actually help protect that output shaft seal from getting nicked. And the, the grease, of course, once you wrap it up, you're going to slather it with grease. But you leave yourself a little tab, um, you know, all the way out to the end of the shaft. And we're only talking, you know, maybe two or three inches worth of electrical tape, uh, you know, wrapped around two or three inches of, of, uh, of shaft, I should say. Um, but the electrical tape will go all the way to the end. You leave yourself a little bit that you can grab onto at the end. And it's important to go from the inside to the outside because once you grab, once you're all reassembled and you know, you've got your electrical tape on, you've slathered everything down with grease, you've got your output shaft cone, um, you know, your, your rear seal put back on and everything. Um, you go ahead and you start to remove that, that tape and it will just pull right off, especially being all greased. And that seal will be protected and it will collapse right down onto the output shaft in absolute perfect shape. Oh, that's a great idea. I, I went through probably three of them and I think um, I, I had uh, transfer case problems because I was always running low on fluid because of that uh, that issue. Yeah, I, uh, I, after I did my first one, I thought I had it right. I, you know, I thought, I, you know, I, I put so much grease on there. There's no way this thing would have been damaged. And uh, honestly, after I had taken it back out, um, it, it was hard to see where there was any damage, but I was driving home, uh, one day and it was, I just, you know, I'd done the repair, the, the, the slip yoke eliminator the night before went to work the next day driving home. And I'm noticing this giant mist of smoke and spray behind me as I'm driving down the freeway. What the heck is that? And I, I get home thinking, you know, the worst that I, you know, I've blown a, uh, you know, a, you know, something in the engine or something like that. And I climb underneath and the entire undercarriage just absolutely coated in transmission or, you know, in the transfer case fluid. Yeah. And it's from the transfer case back, which yep. is, which is a good sign for the motor and the transmission, but a bad sign for the transfer case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, luckily, uh, you know, I didn't lose all that much. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't run it dry or anything like that. So, um, I was able to, um, to get home and, and there was still, you know, plenty of fluid left in there. You'd be surprised at how 
how much a little bit of fluid will coat how much undercarriage and and of course spraying all over the you know the hot muffler and exhaust and stuff it, it creates quite a bit of smoke too right and everybody needs to understand that it doesn't matter if you're in four wheel drive or not if you're in a 240 uh, running a 242 of course you can be running down the road and uh, full time four wheel drive uh, and certainly uh, uh, part time for the 231 or the 242 but uh, what you may not understand is those parts in the transfer case are always turning. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're in two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. So you need that fluid in there. So don't think, oh, yeah, I'm leaking fluid. I'll worry about this later. I'll worry about uh, getting uh, checking it, filling it up, blah, blah, blah. No, it's it affects you if the Jeep is moving. And you don't have to have a lift kit to, you know, have, uh, you know, transfer case issues or have to worry about replacing that output shaft seal. Some of you guys run in stock vehicles that may have higher miles. You know, those output seals can wear out over time, especially, you know, uh, in, in some of the saltier climates. Uh, people living by the coast or where they salt the roads, those seals might wear out a little bit faster. And, you know, you might find that uh, it, it'd be time to replace that seal. It is something you can do yourself. Um, it, it, it's a little bit more involved than changing your oil. But, you know, if, you, uh, if you're used to wrenching on a vehicle, especially a Jeep, um, it's really not all that entailed. Now, you mentioned uh, driveline vib- vibrations. Why would a SYE kit uh, have anything to do with improving driveline vibrations? Well, as uh, some of you may know, um, the stock driveline, um, it's, 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 not, it's not set up for high angles. Um, and so when you start lifting the vehicle up, you're increasing the driveline angle in relation to the pinion at the rear axle. And, of course, where that driveline meets the output shaft of the, of the transfer case. Um, going to a slip yoke eliminator, you then upgrade your drive shaft to a double cardan or CV joint drive shaft. And what that enables you to do is run a steeper driveline angle. As the, you know, the more lift you go, the higher you get up away from that rear axle. They remember that that transfer case is right up there next to the body. And the more lift you have, the further away that body gets from that rear axle. And um, a lot of guys can get away with it by throwing a couple, you know, degree shims in, in that rear axle underneath the leafs and helping point that rear pinion back up towards the transfer case, which I recommend doing in any case. Um, because, uh, you know, that just takes that much less, that much more stress off of those U-joints uh, down by the, uh, by the axle. But um, when you start lifting the vehicle with that stock, uh, stock drive shaft, um, especially in the older models, a lot of guys, you know, it looks like a stick in a coffee can. Um, it's not set up for those steep angles of a lifted Jeep. And, and those vibrations can occur because basically what's happening is that those U-joints, those joints inside of those, um, inside those yokes, are basically bottoming out, and and it's it's so stressed out. It's basically you know hyper flexing or hyper extending those jo- those joints. And so every time that that drive line goes around in a rotation, you're bottoming out on one of those U joints and inside inside that yoke. And those are where the vibrations are coming from. And also too, that would uh, I guess that would uh, mean that the U joints will wear out quicker. Absolutely. So I don't understand if you if you change you put the slip yoke on the 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 rear of the the transfer case there's a drive shaft in front don't you have to uh, modify that one as well No you don't because the output shaft of the um, NV or the N, uh, MP transfer cases that's new venture a new process that's what most of the transfer cases we have um, in our Jeeps um, primarily the NP two thirty one or the two forty two. 
the 249s, I believe, were found in the Grand Cherokees. Um, those were the you know all-wheel drive all the time. But all these uh, transfer cases have a fixed yoke output um, for the front, and so you have um, the the double carbon style uh, drive shaft for the front of the vehicle. And oftentimes what guys will do, um, even in my case, uh, you go to a junkyard, you search around, you find a front drive shaft because it's set up for what you're going to be doing in the rear. Um, and a lot of guys will be running a front drive shaft out of a Cherokee for their rear drive line after they do a slip yoke eliminator. Which I guess means that you now have a spare drive shaft. So Indeed. if you end up breaking a U-joint or you know worse, twisting up a drive shaft or bending it up on the trail, um, you know, you're looking at not being able to get home. Um, and so you would be able to just unbolt your front drive shaft, put it in the rear and limp your way home. And well, it wouldn't be limping. You'd be able to get down off the trail and drive around in, in regular two wheel drive. Oh, that's great. That's, it's nice having spares on the, on the Jeep like that. And I guess Absolutely. technically you could, uh, you could drive home in a four wheel drive. It would be a front wheel drive, which is yep. uh, the popular thing that, uh, all the manufacturers seem to be making now anyway. So <laughs> I hate front wheel drives, but, uh, well, that's, that's really cool. So, uh, have you, have you seen any downsides to, uh, the, the hack and tap method? I know I'm not a big fan of the hack and tap. Um, there, once you get into, you know, bigger lifts and especially bigger tires, um, you get into those gear ratios, you know, um, you know, like four eighty eights and five eighteens, I think would be the next step up from that. Um, you know, you're, there's a lot of torque that's applied on things in there when you're getting up into maybe 35s and above, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're flirting a little bit with, with danger on that, but I have heard of guys that have been running the hack and tap successfully doing extreme, uh, four wheeling with this, with the hack and tap running 33s, running 35s and, and for years being just fine. Um, you know, it's it's going to really come down to I think um, your your driving style, how hard you are off road. Uh, I think the the biggest thing to stay away from with a hack and tap would be a high angle bounce, where your front end is way up in the air and you're climbing over a very steep obstacle. You're running very deep gears. You've got big tires. We're talking thirty fives or larger, and you're trying to climb this face of an obstacle. And your Jeep is doing that bouncing up and down, and you're you're really you know, trying to, you're going to be wrapping up that, that rear axle against the suspension and, of course, the driveline. And what's, you know, connected at the end of the driveline? Well, your slip yoke eliminator to the transfer case. I'm not saying it's a weak point. You know, oftentimes a U-joint um, strap is going to pop before your, your hack and tap would, um, because especially it's, it's secured with grade 8 hardware um, more times than not. At least it should be. Uh, but it, it, it could theoretically be a weak point. I, I do know there are guys out there running them, and they're running them hard, and they last. But um, ultimately, the, the best solution would be a short shaft, replacing that output shaft with a fixed yoke style for the slip yoke eliminator coming out of the rear output of a transfer case. Yeah, and, and that's what I went with, which was uh, uh, the Tom Woods uh, solution for my MP242, and it, it's it's absolutely wonderful. But it required a uh, custom drive shaft and uh, the uh, the short. It re- you have to replace the the tail cone and you replace the shaft, and uh, it's very nice. But uh, it's it's very expensive. I think it was four seventy five after I sent back all the uh, 
the other parts, the cores. Yeah, because they do require a core on that on that particular kit, don't they? Yes. Well, it's interesting because I spoke with uh, one of the people there at Tom Woods, and uh, he said that you would you would be really surprised how many people do not send the cores. So huh. they they literally are sitting on four hundred dollars worth of uh, of refund. So yeah, because you'll be out of pocket, you know, about eight hundred some odd dollars initially, but you get a big chunk of that back sending in the core. Yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard purchase to make unless you have lots of uh, credit on your credit card, because mm. uh, it's it's it was like nine hundred dollars up front, and uh, but uh, like I say, you get about four hundred back. Now that's the the MP two forty two is a little more expensive than than their two thirty one uh, solution. Yes, but uh, yeah, I was just going to say too. You know, a lot of people get away with a lot of things that are are are, are uh, what is common. Do not do uh, in the Jeep Knowledge uh, database, like run a Dana thirty five, which I know yeah. S- Steve uh, four point three LXJ runs a a Dana thirty five, and he just went off road last weekend, and he's fine. Uh, it all has to do with skinny pebble <laughs> pebble yeah, skinny really pedal, folks. <laughs> You know, being smart about things and uh, choosing your trail and, uh, you know, driving skill is what it amounts to. But uh, I'm just glad I have a, a an eight and a quarter on the back of mine, and I don't, uh, to me, it's one less worry. Less skill I have to have. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it sounds like an SYE is a, is a good idea, and uh, I was asking that question about the front because I know some people would, uh, that, that aren't knowledgeable in the area would say okay well that's fine i got the front taken care of what do i do i mean i've got the rip the rear end taken care of what do i do about the front i personally don't fully understand why they went to the time and expense of doing a uh the the slip yoke being inside the drive shaft on the front and they didn't do the same thing in the damn back <laughs> yeah it makes no sense at all i mean you're already doing it on the front the technology's there it's you know obviously proven uh, you know why not do it in the rear? Uh, and I, I just don't I don't understand. You know, it, it had to have been fifty nine cent savings on on the line yeah, or something. That's what it was. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure if we got right down to the 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 meat of the matter, that it would make plenty of sense as the reason why they did it. Uh, but to to somebody that is lifting the jeep and taking it off road, it would be just been so nice if they have just had done the the back drive shaft just like they did the front. And and one other thing that you didn't mention is. The really nice thing is, is that if you do break something in the rear, the drive shaft, uh, anything that that this disables the drive line from the the transfer case back to the uh, axle, you can take that drive shaft out, and you don't have to worry about leaking fluid, because right. you know you got that yoke on there, just like you have on the front of your transfer case, and it will be perfectly fine. It'll just spin its spin while you're driving along, and it's not going to be spraying out uh, transfer case fluid. So it's yeah, a wonderful. Yeah, because it, the stock setup it does. I mean, the 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 stock setup makes it so that the 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 output shaft is is essentially hollow, uh, going right into the transfer case, and your drive line slides in and out of that. And you lose that drive line stock uh, with you know no slip yoke eliminator. You're on the trail. You're going to be leaking fluid all day long, mm-hmm. and that's not only bad for the engine, but it's also or bad for the transfer case. Rather, it's also bad for the environment. Uh, you know, you don't need to be spilling fluids out on the trails. Yep. So with the slip yoke eliminator, it seals that transfer case up button tight. And you, worst case scenario, you do break a drive shaft, um, you're not going to be stranded and you're not going to be leaking fluids. Right. And in, even if you're not a big environmentalist, uh, I'm not big on the environment, <laughs> but I am big on them closing trails. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> so keep that in mind that even if you don't think, oh, what do I care? Well, if they if they close the trail and you can't go out there and play, then then maybe you would. Yeah, I'm I'm not a what you'd call a huge environmentalist either, but um, I like having the trails open, and the, you know the more that we can do as a, as a community as Jeep owners to keep those trails open, the better. And if that means uh, making sure we're not spilling fluids on the trail, then so be it. Yeah, I have no problem with people with tree huggers, but uh, I remember I took a poop in the woods one time and li- had to lean against the tree, and I had a rash for a good three weeks. So I don't know oh. how they I don't know how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, thanks a lot for uh, this week's Jeep tip. Absolutely. Thanks, Tony. So whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready. Son of a bitch. Jeep tips. Well, this Jeep uh, tip uh, this week is going to be about uh, your cooling system. We've uh, covered thermostats. We've covered uh, uh, engine cooling. And uh, I think it's uh, kind of important to mention uh, about the dreaded lower radiator hose. I uh, I had on my 98, I had it go out on me. I think that was the first hose that went out on me, and I'm sure that's because that's where the uh, the main force from the water pump is uh, is forcing the water out uh, of the water pump and down into that lower hose and the bottom of the radiator and, and then back up through the top radiator. But I had a critical failure when uh, just after buying the uh, new-to-us 1999 Jeep Cherokee. Uh, it was running great, and... Uh, I authorized the vehicle to be driven from our house uh, 20 miles to my wife's uh, mom's and mom and dad's house, and uh, it got uh, almost all the way back before the lower radiator hose completely split. So uh, certainly before you do any long trips, and and if you, like I did, purchased a a, uh, 99 Cherokee or any Cherokee for that matter with 140,000 miles on it, you don't know when that uh, that hose has been changed. And, you know, they're not that expensive, so change both upper and lower uh, anytime you buy a, a used vehicle and certainly before you go on a long trip. Uh, obviously, if you changed it two or three months ago, then it, it may not be relevant to uh, changing it, but it doesn't hurt. It's cheap insurance. And uh, if, you, uh, if you must, you can always take uh, a couple extra hoses. Uh, you know, you can save your old hoses if they're in a decent shape and carry them with you. Uh, just a, a screwdriver to, um, if you've got the uh, stainless steel bands, which I recommend, that would uh, be easy to take it off and on. Then the only thing you'd have to worry about is water, getting the water back into it. Because when you take that lower hose off, most of the uh, water is going to come out uh, of the engine block, at least enough for where it's gonna not going to be able to cool it properly. So you could always carry you a couple of... Uh, uh, old uh well i guess you could buy the new stuff the new antifreeze especially the 50 50 stuff and carry that with you it'd be sealed and probably wouldn't leak in the back of your jeep at any rate uh the other thing i want to talk about is uh, flushing your system now uh, your cooling system i personally have never bought one of those cooling systems where you split one of the the, uh, heater hoses and tie in your uh, um, your uh, water hose into that and actually flush the system and i have heard uh or read horror stories about people uh losing their uh heater core because it's forced too much water through there too much pressure and it will or even the chemicals that are used on those kits can uh take a uh heater core that's marginal and cause it to start leaking of course it may already be leaking and you're just not aware of it it may be leaking so slightly so you got to be really careful with those type deals, and, and actually it's a good idea to get in a habit of every uh, year 
going through and uh, cleaning out your coolant system. I know that whenever I bought my 98 new, that it was only about uh, two years old, and it was red, brown, muddy water. And I should have taken care of it. I just assumed that it was new, and that must be something new that they're doing with the cooling. And and perhaps the, the, the coolant that came from the factory was a reddish color. I don't know. But uh, after I uh, had some uh, major cooling issues with the system, I, uh, I did get the, the water hose out, and uh, I would uh, run the water hose through the radiator. I uh, ran the water uh, easily, just not fully in, in inserting the hose into the heater hose, taking the heater hose off and uh, running water through it. Uh, actually, I took both heater hoses off so it would actually circle through the, um, through the heater core. And I got some pretty good junk out of that. But anyway... I would uh, run it through, fill it up, uh, run it a little bit, and not not really enough to get it hot, and then drop that lower hose and let all the nasty, muddy, red water come out of it. And uh, I'd button it back up, fill it back up, button it back up, and drive it for a couple of weeks, and then do it again. It took about three goes to get nice, clear water uh, in uh, in the coolant system. And it's been that way for years now. And then, of course, you add, uh, I didn't add, it was around the summertime, or and here in the Houston area, it never gets that cold, so I never have to worry about the antifreeze that much. So I ran just pure water in it, and uh, after I got it all clean the way I liked it, then I added the antifreeze to it. So take care of your cooling system. Don't let it, just don't assume that the factory is going to have taken care of everything for you and it's going to be fine. Uh, I would uh, have a look at my cooling uh, at least once a year, and it's not a bad idea to clean it out and put in new antifreeze at, at least uh, every couple of years, maybe sooner. And now for a disclaimer. Jeep tips is for entertainment purposes only. If you choose to follow these tips, man up and take the responsibility for your own actions. If you cannot or you feel that working on your Jeep is beyond your abilities, seek the help or advice of a trained certified mechanic. My favorite site is XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not on the road.